Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I've spent a lot of time in my career defending the institution of marriage. And I defend it because it's the bedrock of civilization, so Amen. it deserves defending. And I defend it because it's under constant attack, so it needs defending. And one of the most troubling developments in recent years, which we've discussed on the show in the past, is that these attacks are increasingly waged not just from the left, but from certain noisy segments of the right. It's crazy that marriage is now being attacked by both sides. That's never happened before. The red pill and the liberals got this in common too. I tell you, man, if this ain't feminism reversed, I don't know what is. As well, some right-wing influencers with legions of young, mostly male fans had decided that men should abandon marriage and family life and uh, go their own way. And these these influencers, many of whom consider themselves a part of the so-called red pill movement, mm -hmm. pretend to despise feminists and yet have essentially arrived at the same conclusion as feminists, which is that we should give up on the family. The two sides hate marriage almost as much as they hate each other. Oops. Now, one of these influencers is a woman named Pearl Davis, who has garnered a relatively large following on YouTube and various social media platforms. Uh, she's in her mid-20s, single and childless, and uh, yet full of opinions about modern marriage and family life, a subject that she... I, I always find it funny when people point out that about her. I think she has the right to her opinions, but I just always find it funny when people point out, like, she has all these opinions about marriage and family, yet she's single and childless. She has no personal insight into whatsoever. She spent the past few days on the internet complaining about quote-unquote trad cons like myself, uh -huh. who, she says, promote the nuclear family despite not understanding what it's really like. Yes, we men who actually have wives and children don't know what it's like to be married, but a woman who is not married and has no children does know what it's like. In one of her tweets, she wrote, quote, the trad cons push marriage because they aren't old enough to know better. They don't know the reality of what they're pushing. Wait, 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 wait. The trad cons push marriage because they aren't old enough to know better? Aren't all of us, everyone here is older than you, Pearl. And everyone, myself, at least, at least I, I mean, I've been married almost 16 years. I don't know how long they've been married, but everyone posted here is at least half a decade older than you and probably is, have been married a long time. So I'm not, I'm not tracking how... This is accompanied by a picture of myself, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles. We aren't old enough to know better and don't know the reality of what we're pushing, yet a woman who is younger than us and single does know better and does understand this reality. Another post, she uh, goes on to say that marriage is a terrible deal for men. And she later explains, quote, would you ever sign a contract that fails 75% of the time where your business partner is paid to break the contract? Why would you encourage men to sign that contract until the terms are fixed? I love the way he meticulously goes through and addresses these numbers. The issue, one of the biggest issues with the red pill is their selective use of data and how arbitrary it is. It's like when they feel like using data, then they're going to use it. And then when they, when there's data that's thrown in their face, it's clearly in contradiction with some of the nonsense they push. They will say that the data is funded by wokey liberals and it's wrong. So it's very selective in terms of that. And, and a lot of times the data they use, they don't really even double check themselves to look at what studies it's just like the same parroted talking points oftentimes but there is some data they use that i would i would agree with but a lot of it when it comes to this specific conversation is just completely parroted and, and usually nonsensical just to learn that marriages fail at a rate of 75 percent the figure that people like this normally use is 50 percent and the claim that 50 percent of marriages end in divorce is already spurious and we'll have more on that in a moment but 75 percent 
I was wondering where that number came from, so I scrolled down and I saw something that she reposted from an alleged lawyer who said this, quote, it's not 50-50, that only accounts for divorces. Another 25% on the negative side for miserable men trapped in cheaper to keep her marriages, unwilling to risk financial destruction and loss of their children. 75% chance of a devastatingly bad outcome is just a bad plan. No sane person would enter into a commercial contract on such terms. The math isn't math in here. So one, they're claiming that it's 50-50 marriages fail 50% rate, which we're going to get into why that's complete nonsense. But two, then he says, add another 25% on the negative side for miserable men trapped in cheaper to keep. So is he saying that out of the the half of marriages that fail, that the other half are in cheaper to keeper marriages? So basically what he's saying is 50% of the people who are staying married hate it? Is that what he's saying? Or is just the math bad? And he's saying out of the 50% that stay married, 25% out of the 50 are, are in cheaper to keeper, which means that, that would the number wouldn't be 75%. It would be like 62%, right? But right, nevertheless, I'm not sure how they came to these conclusions or where they got these numbers from. Now, I did ask him where he got this 75% figure from. Apparently, the magic statistic fairy came and whispered it in his ear. <laughs> now, for her part, Pearl later tweeted a picture of Pierce Brosnan with his uh, wife of 20 years, and she questioned whether the marriage counts as successful since Brosnan's wife has put on some weight at the age of 60. So apparently even... This whole idea that like if a woman puts on weight, therefore the marriage is not successful is is kind of gross because women do this thing where they have kids and they put on a weight for that and not all of them bounce back. A lot, a lot of them do, like especially if you're breastfeeding, you can you could definitely bounce back fairly quick, but not all women bounce back. Not all women can breastfeed. So the notion that because a woman puts on weight that therefore the marriage is suffering when most people in marriages go through ups and downs and go through times of maybe gaining weight, especially with dudes and women, right? So and if they're happy and have remained married for two decades, they still might fall into that 75% failure rate because they have not both remained in supermodel condition into their 60s. This debate on social media brought out the rest of the marriage skeptical crowd on the right. A bunch of these uh, red pill influencers decided to hop on uh, an emergency Zoom call and spend two hours talking about me and the rest of the Daily Wire crew and our reckless promotion of society's most fundamental institution. Now, there's there's one clip here that you should see. This is um, a, 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 apparently a, a, divor a divorce lawyer who says that the failure rate for marriage is not 50%, and it's not 75%. It is, in fact, even higher. Listen. I think marriage can be successful, of course. It's just not something that's as scalable as we as a society are trying to pretend it is. Marriage is, and I've said this a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred more, marriage is like the lottery. You are probably not going to win. Okay? You're probably not going to win. Don't make that your 401k. You're probably <laughs> not going to win. But it Gross. Gross. This is probably the worst thing you could tell young people. If you win, what you win is so great that I don't blame you for buying a ticket and trying. I personally don't buy lottery tickets. But when somebody says, yeah, I played the lottery. Hey, man, somebody's got to win. And you know what? As long as you're not blowing money that you need for food or to put shoes on your kids' feet, you're not hurting anybody, go out, give it a try. So I always tell people, listen, marriage, when it works, when you have somebody who's married 20 plus years and they're still crazy about each other, that is the exception, not the rule. This is a sickness of the highest order. Eh? That's just gross. By the way, shout out to uh, Rolo Tomasi, who's been married well over 25 years. The irony of him sitting there. But That's when you crazy. do it, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So why not buy the ticket, take the ride, but have a prenup? Wear a seatbelt, guys. You can be a safe driver, but wear a seatbelt. So a happy marriage, he says, is like winning a lottery. And the thing about the lottery is that almost everybody loses. This is a perfect summation of how this entire club views marriage and the message that they're uh, uh, sending to young men in particular. Mm. 
Sure, it can be great, they concede, but only if you're insanely lucky. Everybody else is screwed. Where is the personal responsibility in this conversation? Why is it that the people in the red pill never seem to take any personal responsibility? Why is it always luck? Why can't it be a byproduct of good decisions? It's a very fatalistic, nihilistic approach to the most important institution that many of us will ever participate in because, statistically speaking, most of us are going to have kids or at least desire kids. This is, this is a rather bleak view of marriage, and thankfully, it's also nonsense. First of all, the claim that marriage isn't scalable is obviously ridiculous because marriage has served as the bedrock of human society since time immemorial. It has already happened at the scale of civilization for thousands <laughs> of years. Now, the divorce lawyers come along and say that, you know this thing that, that society's been doing forever? Turns out it doesn't work. Unless who, who, by the way, who benefits from more divorce and more prenups? I'm not mad if you want to get a prenup, but who benefits from that? It's lawyers that benefit from that. It's not society that benefits from that. You're the one in a million. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous claim. Now, what about the failure rate of marriages in our culture? We've heard 50%. We've heard 75%. I've discussed this, by the way, with Michael Serratine. Um, both of those rates are wrong, like, like far from wrong. We just heard that they, they fail at a rate similar to the rate that people lose the lottery, which would mean higher than 99%, a lot higher. These kinds of astronomical odds are not based in anything but the doom and gloom speculations of the people inventing them. Right. There is no evidence that having a happy marriage is as unlikely as winning the lottery or that 75% of marriages end in misery. Mm -hmm. And what about the 50% number? Well, this is at least is a, is a familiar statistic. It's, it's something that you've probably heard before. 50% of marriages end in divorce. Drop a one in the chat if you've heard that statistic before and, and you've heard it passed on as true. Drop a one in the chat. Because I've, I've covered this at length. I got sources on this. I'm 90% I'm, I, I, I'm, I sure that he's going to go the same direction that I go with this. Um, it's familiar, but it is bogus. And one way you, th you know that it's bogus is that people have been claiming that 50% of marriages end in divorce since I was a kid. That's right. I've been hearing that my whole life. Mm -hmm. And that would mean that divorce rates are static across time. Mm -hmm. But of course, that isn't the case. In fact, mm -hmm. we know that divorce rates have gone down in recent years. Mm -hmm. so, so where does the 50% figure come from? Apparently, it's a, it's a holdover from the 1980s, which is when people first started citing that statistic. It's not true today. It's actually... In The Good News About Marriage, which is a book about this, the statistic is actually a projection of what they thought the divorce rate was going to be after no-fault divorce laws got passed. It actually never hit that. It was a projection of where they thought the number was going to go, not to mention that they've also gone down before. And it's actually not clear that it was true even in the, in the 80s either. So what is the actual divorce rate? Um, it's a little bit hard to determine. Probably our best guess is based on U.S. census data, which according to the most recent figures, says that about 35% of American adults who have been married have been divorced. Okay, so 35%, according to census data, 35% is a huge contrast between lottery odds, 75%, 50%. So it's 35% of folks that were married have been divorced. So it's not exactly going to give us a precisely scientific figure of what the divorce rate is. But it's, it's as close as we're going to get, 35%. And 35% is high. I mean, it's way too high. That's right. It's not 50%, though. That's right. And it's not 75%. That's right. And it's not 99%. And it's definitely not lottery odds. Still, isn't it terrifying to think that if you get married, your chance of failure is 35%, and the chance of success is only 65% yes. at the most? Yes. You know, even if we go with that number, isn't that still very, very scary? Isn't it high enough that it should dissuade anyone from attempting it? The answer to that question is no. And here's why. If the divorce rate is 
or even if it's 50%, it does not follow that your own particular marriage has a 35 or 50% chance of failure. This is so good. This is so good. Because based on these numbers, you are just doomed to be like the average that everyone else is. Now, I'm not... By the way, but divorce in the church is also too, too high. Divorce in the church is actually one of the lowest... In, in anything. See my conversation with uh, Rallo Tomasi. Okay, see my conversation with Rallo Tomasi. Divorce in a church. Christians, practicing Christians who go to church regularly are the least likely to get divorced. I'm not saying that you should be cocky or reckless. That's right. Or that you should see yourself as invincible. I am saying that you shouldn't, on the other extreme, see yourself as passive debris floating helplessly on the tide of statistical likelihoods. That's right. Because you are an individual. Your marriage is an individual thing. Mm -hmm. and its chances of failure are not set by society at large. So here's an example to illustrate what I mean. And this is really, really important to understand because, because as marriage rates fall, and those are falling, you know, the, the thing that, that convinces so many people to not marry in the first place are, are numbers like this. And this, this misconception that, well, look at the divorce rate, and that is my own specific chance of getting divorced. And, and I'm here to tell you that that's not how it works. It's not how it works. Well, you know, Just because uh, 70% of people are overweight, that doesn't mean you have to be overweight. Just because 60% of people are living paycheck to paycheck doesn't mean you have to live paycheck to paycheck. Right? That's the, that, that, that is not how math has to work. That's a very fatalistic, sad boy view of the world. Is over 40%. This illustrates the obesity rate in the United States is... Aha, look at that. He went to the obesity rate. That's good. He went to the obesity rate. I just said the same thing. Right? Just because the obesity rate... It's 40%. That doesn't mean you have to be obese. Over 40%. Does that mean that your own chances of becoming obese are 40%? No, it doesn't. Your chances might be 5%. They might be practically zero. Mmm. Mmm. Once we start getting into how math works. <laughs> or they might be quite a bit higher than 40%. Right. That's because obesity is the result of behavior and choices. If you do not engage in the behavior or make the choices that lead to obesity, you will not become obese. That's right. The fact that 40% of people around you are fat does not mean that you automatically have a 40% obesity risk. Ain't that interesting? Ain't that interesting? The, it's so basic, but it's so, it's so good. Now, let's take another example. Car accidents. Americans get into car accidents at a certain rate. I'm not sure what the rate is. It doesn't matter for our purposes. What does matter is that your own individual chance of getting into a car accident is not the same as every other driver on the road. The people who compile statistics will say things like, motorists have an X percent chance of getting into a collision. That's crazy. What is your probability of getting into a car accident? Our report uncovered a startling 77% of motorists in the United States have been in at least one accident in their lifetime. For every thousand miles you drive, your chances of getting into a car accident are one in 366. Does that mean... That, that has to be the truth for you? No. But you are not just a generic motorist. That's right. You are an individual. Now, you can never bring your own chance of dying in a fiery car wreck down to zero. But if you're responsible, if you're a responsible driver, then obviously your chances of getting into an accident are much lower than the chances of someone who is not responsible. All of those stupid drivers who don't understand the basic rules of the road mm -hmm. and like to tweet and eat while they drive and, and, and everything else... They're inflating the numbers for everyone. That's they're, right. Now, they're also making the roads more dangerous for everyone. That's right. You know, they, they are actually actively making your own chances of getting into a car accident higher 
because the roads are filled with stupid people. Mm-hmm. But your chances are not as high as their chances. Mm-hmm. You do not share their level of risk unless you're as dumb as they are. Because again, you are an individual, not a mere statistic. So <clears throat> what about me? That, man, that could, that could really set some of you guys free, especially you guys that, that have that, that fatalistic view. Marriage. It's true that even if you do everything right, things can still fall apart if your spouse doesn't follow that program. Yep. Now, if you both do everything right, or even most things right, then your chance of divorce is basically zero. But you can do everything on your end, and, and maybe your spouse doesn't do the same, and then it, it falls apart anyway, and that, and that happens, and it's terrible. Yes. But it happens. Yes. It's also true that there are many, many things you can do in your marriage That's and right. before your marriage to make it much more secure than the average. Obvious things. Like, you can marry someone who shares your same fundamental values. Not everyone does that. In fact, a lot of people don't. That's right. A lot of people go into marriages knowing ahead of time that they're marrying someone who doesn't share their fundamental values. They may not share your faith. This is why we don't do missionary dating. They may not share your uh, ideologies about the world and how it works, right? If you're a a hardcore entrepreneur who wants to change your family tree and you're going to marry someone that's a lefty communist, that's going to be problematic, right? There's so many uh, fitness and health. If you're really into fitness and health and you marry somebody that's sloppy and doesn't give a crap about their their body, and then at some point that's going to be an issue, right? Just because they're hot when they're 21 doesn't mean they're going to remain healthy throughout their lifetime. Their, their, their chances of divorce are going to be somewhere much higher than yours That's right. if you don't make that basic entry-level mistake that they have made. You can do other things. Like, you can state from the outset that you both, in principle, don't believe in divorce and won't consider it as a viable option That's right. for solving any marital difficulties you may experience down the line. That's you right. can have a strong and shared faith. You can establish from the beginning a habit of honest communication. You can make time for each other. Mm-hmm. You can continue to date even or especially as your lives get busier and you start having kids and so on. You can make a strong effort to be patient with and grateful to each other. You can take care of your body and your appearance. You can do all these things and more. Now, I'm not saying that if you do all of this, it will bring your divorce chance down to zero. I'm not denying that there are plenty of people out there who, who did all this, at least on their own end, and yet still ended up divorced. That's not my point. My point is that the divorce rate doesn't take any of that into account. The people who take none of these basic steps are lumped in with the people who do all of it. That's right. And we're supposed to believe that both groups have an equal chance of marital failure. That's just not true. That's right. Now, I don't deny that there are real serious problems with marriage in our society. The so-called red pill people and others, they raise totally legitimate and important points on that end. We need drastic reform, abolish no-fault divorce. The entire family court system has to be torn down and rebuilt. The system is stacked against men in many ways that are extremely unfair and have ruined countless lives. So let's fight for those reforms, absolutely. But this systemic problem, is not going to be solved today or tomorrow or next week. Abolishing no-fault divorce is just the beginning of reforming the system. Lawmakers in a small number of red states have only just started to seriously consider that idea, which is merely step one. So we're a long way off from fixing the system. It it took decades to get us here. It will take decades to get us out at best. And in the meantime, the vast majority of you dudes are going to want kids. And the vast majority of you guys are going to want to be around your kids. And the vast majority of you guys having kids with the wrong people because you bought into this red pill nonsense is, is, is going to hurt you and you don't quite understand what it's like not having your kids in your household. So instead of blaming the system and blaming laws that are going to take decades to overturn, you can do the things to mitigate your chances of going through a divorce, which is ultimately, first and foremost, going to be anchored in you having a relationship in G- with Jesus and having your heart transformed, and then two, seeking someone that is going to have a similar heart transformation, and then also seeking someone that shares your values and is going to continue down the path of practicing their faith and walking out their salvation with fear and trembling. And if you do those things, that, that highly, highly, highly decreases your chances of divorce.
We see according to the Bible that prayer is extremely important in terms of us being transformed from the inside out when we get aligned with God's will. I want you guys to implement these spiritual disciplines in your day-to-day life. And the only way I've been able to do this consistently is through writing down my prayers in a prayer journal that does a few things. One, it allows me to reflect and come to God humbly and ask him to move on my behalf. And two, it allows me to document my prayers, which ultimately helped me remember the very things that I was praying for and see the hand of God tangibly in my life when he answers them. So I would urge you, consider writing down your prayers. It could be in a blank notebook. It could even be on your phone. Or you could check out the one I personally designed and used from my own quiet time and spiritual discipline that I think will be a huge blessing. It's the exact structure and system that I've used for years to pray and be more consistent in my spiritual disciplines. And here's the thing, with the hope to create a prayer movement, we've made the PDF version of this prayer journal completely free. So to get the PDF of our prayer journal completely for free, go to blessgodpdf.shop 